When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This week on Millennial, we're joined by a cybersecurity expert, Christy, a.k.a. Voldemort. So people could grab your personal data in the air, right? Yeah, they'd be snooping. Yeah. And if I'm sitting there at Starbucks being bold and moral, that second half right there, <laughs> I can see what you're doing. ExpressVPN does not and will never log traffic data, DSM queries, or anything that could be used to identify you. Yes, that's it. That's why they didn't catch you dumping all those bodies in Lake Mead. I searched your name and your address, and I only found one thing. Oh. See, this is the benefit of having, like, a super common name. Yes. (laughs) Give your kids super common names, y'all, and (laughs) you'll be protecting them. Welcome to Millennial. We are the home of pretend adulting and real talk this week about how you should protect you and your personal information online. We have a great guest coming up. Well, first, I just feel the need to address the fact that we're missing a third of our regular panel today. Pam could not be here. Um, She had an unfortunate cooking accident. Um, not too long before we started recording this episode. And um, she's currently in the ER awaiting getting some stitches. She's okay and she's going to be fine. Um, But I know she was really disappointed to not be able to be here and probably even more disappointed to be hanging out in an overcrowded, understaffed emergency room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad she is okay. But yeah, that only happened a couple hours ago. I feel like she has done this before. We need to get her some protective gloves or something. Agreed. Well, on this week's episode, we're going to be focusing entirely on the topic of cybersecurity and how to stay safe online and protect your personal information. Um, We think that we know a decent amount about this, but in order to have this conversation and to make sure that we're not leading anyone astray, we've actually brought a cybersecurity professional on this week's show. So Christy, Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And you can also refer to me, if you would like to, as Voldemoral. Voldemoral. Yes. Would, <laughs> is that your preference for the remainder of the episode? You know, let's go with it. Let's, okay. let's do it. Voldemoral. I don't know if I want to interview somebody named Voldemoral about cybersecurity. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's a little, I don't know if I can trust that. Genius and crazy, though. They are one and the same. Yeah. Sure. You're right, Voldemort. Whatever. (laughs) No, and I think it's interesting, and maybe we can 
get into this a little bit before we talk more about your background, but you shared why it is that you use this pseudonym pretty much exclusively anywhere you have an online presence. Could you share the reasoning for that? Right. Absolutely. Being being in cybersecurity and existing in the cyber realm, uh, I, I'm paranoid. And given my experience with good reason, not having your name publicly available that you can just Google or find anywhere is, is important to me, just as I see as it's becoming important to other people. Yeah, it's such an important issue. It's one of those things that's always lingering in the background, cybersecurity and online privacy. And at least we here don't talk about it too often, maybe a passing reference or two from time to time. So for that reason, because we don't talk about it more, I am very much looking forward to this discussion and how people can protect themselves online. Yeah, me as well. Looking forward to it. Well, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background in cybersecurity and ultimately what led you to this field? Yeah, so uh, 18 years old, I joined the military and was in military intelligence for almost a decade. And in that experience, I worked closely with the cybersecurity team, and I absolutely was enthralled at what they did and was able to be afforded the opportunity to be involved in some of their 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 activities, which was, I, I found incredible. I, I loved the the thrill. I loved how it was different every single day. And in that, um, I was I was young and impressionable, and I decided to get a bachelor's degree and go for it in cybersecurity. And in doing so, um, right at the time that I exited the military, I was picked up by someone and uh, was given the opportunity to really begin my career. And I think that coming from a position of really not having any experience at all, and then being given the experience to grow and learn, I was afforded a, a viewpoint where I felt like I could teach others who know absolutely nothing about cybersecurity and bring them up to speed on just simply how to be safe online. And it's it's as simple as just doing a couple of steps and you wouldn't even believe it. And you wouldn't even <laughs> believe it. <laughs> but wait, there's more. I mean, you're definitely a well-respected name in your field between your military background and then also all of the development you've done in the realm of cybersecurity. Um, as kind of an aside, I wanted to bring this up um, you were recently interviewed by the New York Times, right? I was. I was. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I I posted something on my Twitter and a journalist had found that post and sent me a, a message and said, hey, I, I think this is this is funny and quirky. I would love to interview you. And I said, cool, let's let's chat about it. And uh, that chat ended up being about chat GPT. And... <laughs> Oh. Yeah. And uh, I thought, of course, she she was going to interview me on all the ways I would use chat PT, GPT to do like malware uh, deconstruction and deobfuscation, maybe how I would write bash scripting. And this is all, of course, technical IT and cybersecurity jargon. And uh, 
I was, I was wrong in that assumption. She was uh, looking for something very different, more um, of an approach on how people are using it in their personal lives to write love letters to their partner because they can't think of what in the world to say back or how <laughs> to, you know, tell their mom that they really loved spending time with them or, you know, just the, the person uh-huh. who had a hard time writing a thank you letter to their, their cousin for inviting them to their wedding. Just very unique. And- yeah. It's amazing yes, the use cases. Yes, it really and, is. And uh, it was an incredible experience to be able to have the opportunity to speak with such a world-renowned icon like the New York Times. But unfortunately, to this day, uh, that interview of mine was not published in the chat GPT article by the New York Times. So as, as a... As a <laughs> So you've canceled and you've switched to Washington <laughs> not, not Post. Not even that. I wrote my own article on Medium on ChatGPT, and I was my own storyteller and hype man for ChatGPT. Oh. So uh, there are some very interesting okay. things that exist on that uh, that article. And in fact, there's a, a headline that says ChatGPT's morals challenged by Vold Immoral. <laughs> It's a good read. Awesome. We'll be sure to link it in the show. Good. I'm looking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Titled ChatGPT AI for All. But actually, speaking of Medium, you did publish another article on Medium about how to remove your personal information from the internet. And this is a really hot topic right now. Many people looking to do it for exactly the reasons you describe in your article, which we'll get into. Do you feel like there's been a shift in what people are comfortable with having online? Because I know something that we have spoken about on the show is kind of this move to the closed group in social media, for example, or group texting. It's not so much anymore about posting publicly on Twitter or on Facebook. It's you go in the Twitter circles, you go in the Facebook groups, you go in the group chat. People just have a preference. They're gravitating towards the private stuff these days. Right. I think that people these days just want to be private. They don't want to be out there. Um, But also we're in an age where data breaches are not uncommon. People's personal information is being leaked. It's being stolen. Large respected companies are being hacked. Uh, Speaking of today, there was an article released that ChatGPT was actually breached. And that is as of March 28th, 2023. And I have not actually had an opportunity. I've actually been in jury duty all week to get to catch up on that. (laughs) It was actually a very interesting week, by the way. Oh, okay. It's just online on anonymity. It's just being anonymous online. And I think that that is very fair. And people want to be comfortable when they're, you're putting yourself out there as soon as you agree to be online in any way. Yeah, and I think more people were more open to being more public on the internet 10, 20 years ago just because of the novelty, I guess. Like, oh, this is so neat. What a cool, oh, I can join Facebook and connect with my friends and and share posts and they can instantly see them. Cool, 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 cool. But we've all grown very tired of that and we've come to see all the issues that come along with being less private online. Yes, it can get you into some trouble. Which uh, I've actually, um, in my experiences, been able to help solve crimes just by people having their their information on online and putting it out there. And I think that that's 
incredibly powerful for people to understand. Is that something that you can speak to a little more? There are um, pieces that I have personally worked on that are publicly available, but because of those articles, um, I am not going to disclose of them. Sure. However, if you know where to look, you will know where to find them. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> because okay. it is online. <laughs> right. That's pretty cool, though. It's, it's things like stealing, um, people not realizing that if your phone is connected to Wi-Fi and if you have Xfinity and you know you have Xfinity's hotspots and you're going from state to state, county to county, city to city, if your Wi-Fi is remembered and you're connecting to those hotspots, you're able to follow somebody by their wireless footprint, which... A lot of people also don't think about. Yeah. And and I'm curious, too, since we're on the topic, what are some other ways that people might be leaving their digital footprint in places and not even know that they're doing it? Great question. So there are a lot of people who want to know about themselves. There are people who are adopted. There are people in, in, in foster care now who don't know where they're from, where they come from, what their heritage is, their culture. So they agree to do DNA tests, things like uh, 23andMe, Ancestry DNA, and people don't realize that some of that data, it's just as easy as spending $10 and downloading that personal information. Some of those companies that receive your DNA, they actually sell it for for profit. They're selling that data on you. Your, your DNA is so unique and specific to you. And you have to understand there will never be another you that ever exists in, in life. And in that, I'm going to say you're important and you matter. And in that, you are giving these companies all of all about you. And on the flip side on that, there have actually been cold cases that have been solved from relatives submitting their DNA to these ancestry sites, which I think is incredibly cool. It is. It is cool. What was, was it a serial killer in California that they ended up? The Golden State yeah. Killer. Golden yep. State. I'm looking yes, at it that's now. That's right. Yep. State Killer. Yep. Um, and then there was also a cold case where they were able to identify a murder victim from 1988. Wow. Which is incredible. So here I was born. So, <laughs> you know, your, your information online can have some validity and helping to bring, you know, resolve and healing to families. That's just one, one great example of that. Yeah. But it sounds like it can cut the other way, right? I mean, I'll say can. here, I've definitely done a DNA test because um, my mom is the family genealogist. She's made us all do them. So what you're saying is somebody could go to the service that I went to and pay to download my family tree. Right. Yep. Oh. Anyone can do that? Anyone can do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> If they know how to do that, they can do it. So here's an example. So say that you are super secure online, right? You're locking your social medias down. You're deleting your personal information online, but aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, they don't really understand the dangers of being online. And they're posting 
about you go into graduation. They're posting all of these pictures of you. They're tagging you in things and their profiles are not private. So there you are exposed again. So being private online is in this day and age, it is very difficult to achieve like supreme and utmost anonymous, uh, to be anonymous online. You'd practically have to unplug everything, turn off your power, move out of state, just grab some land pitch a tent and live vicariously on the land. That's it. I mean, that sounds pretty nice. It does. That's what you say you're going to do in your Medium article, too. That is most definitely do at some point. <laughs> yeah, get a nice camper van. They do really good jobs like remodeling the inside so it feels like a real comfortable living space. I've looked at these before. I want to rent one for a weekend. Yes, I want I just really want a pet cow. There are these really beautiful, just super hairy, fuzzy cows. And I just want a pet cow and I want it to be normal and I want to brush it and I want to live on the land. And <laughs> well, I will say we, you know. Based on the part of the country that we live in, you know, there are cows. There are plenty. <laughs> there are plenty of them. So it yes. should be easy enough. Growing up in my in my in my town, cow tipping was an actual thing. And I'm pretty sure it still is, but I'm not yeah. of that age group anymore. And I don't know a cow to tip. So <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a thing in my hometown too. <laughs> Have you ever cow tipped, Laura? No. Okay. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Voldemort said she did. So maybe you did too. (laughs) Hey, the only difference in cow tipping then and now is now you get to live stream the cow tipping for everyone else to enjoy. Back (laughs) then, it was just a thing you did. Well, getting back to personal information online and the risks associated with it, I think most commonly um, when people think about the risks, they think about identity theft when they imagine what can happen if their information falls into the wrong hands. But I'm wondering if in your experience, there are other types of risks that people might not be considering. Identity theft is one of the biggest risks. And in that risk kind of comes this like, it's an umbrella term, and then it just starts to rain. And out of that risk comes, I would say, consequences. And consequences of your data being stolen, hacked is really, really unfortunate for honest people who haven't done anything except be honest people and good people. And is things like your credit being ruined. And you say that, but the weight to it of your credit being ruined when you think about it, it's preventing you from opening other accounts financially, from buying a car that you need to transport yourself and your family to so that you can feed them and make sure that they have what they need. It prevents you from running an apartment to put your family in so they have a place to reside. It prevents on some occasions even from you getting a job, which you know, some places will check your credit scores. There are other jobs where it requires an investigation because you need a top secret clearance. And uh, I think that is is a, a really, a really hot point to hit on. Yeah. It's crazy to think about how many employers do check your credit report. This was not something that I was aware of until I finished school several years ago and was like out on the job market looking for my first like postgraduate job, it's super common. 
and honestly feels kind of violating because there are a lot of reasons why your credit report may look the way it does. Um, An example that kind of speaks to what you were just talking about was um, when I was in college, my identity got stolen Mm -hmm. and somebody opened up an AirTran credit card in my name, AirTran for all of the youths listening, it was an airline that was absorbed by Southwest. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, but at the time, they had their own credit card. Somebody, I can only assume it must have been an AirTran employee, because like, why, 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 why else would you have access? And then why would you open an AirTran credit card? Um, right. And they they charged like a magazine subscription to it. I had no idea about the thing. And because I was young and I didn't know how to deal with any of this, it ended up going to collections and it ended up getting reported on my credit report. And it sat there for the whole seven years, just fucking my credit. It's so common. And it's it's unfortunate, especially for the younger generation who don't understand the risk of their identity being stolen. And then it affects literally their, their future. Yeah. So let's talk about some common security myths. And we're thinking here, the incognito browser modes that you see on like Chrome and Safari or VPNs and hotspots. Like what are some common security myths that you think people should should know about? Okay, so with incognito routers, I first want to say that if you're using incognito mode or private mode, it doesn't mean you're being sneaky. It doesn't mean that they're being (laughs) sneaky. It means that they're trying to keep themselves from being seen. That's really what it is. And I'll give you some very, very just juvenile examples. And that's, you know, you share a computer with your family because your family can only afford one computer and brothers and sisters are on there and you don't want them to see what you've been doing. Or maybe you're a parent and you're just shopping for presents and you don't want your kids that are old enough to know what's going on to see where they've been shopping for them. And the thing about incognito browsers is when you close the browser out, it doesn't save your browsing history, of course. It, by default, it blocks cookies, which cookies are tracking you. It tra- they track your clicks, they track your comments, they track your posts, they track what you buy. It's, it's also a great way to keep your work and personal life separate, really. So if you're at work and you're, you're feeling a little hot and heavy, maybe you're hitting <laughs> up Pornhub in the middle of the day. Don't do that. the boss <laughs> knowing that. So you load up incognito mode, (laughs) so it won't be in your browser history. I'm going to say if you're on your company computer and it's company owned and you're looking at funky stuff and we know what we're talking about, Funky stuff. you think your IT isn't sitting back there thinking, "Mm -hmm, I see what you're doing. And it's the the thing is, is we don't care. We're just laughing because it's. It's just, you you, okay. you you know. All right. So that was a bad example, maybe. And maybe this is a good lesson for everybody. Don't use porn at work. Go on porn at work, even in incognito mode. Do it on your own personal phone. Yeah. But yes. at home, at home, when you want to hide. From your wife, your husband. Bigboobs.net from the wife. Right, right. You you load up incognito mode. Keep it to yourself. Keep, you know. <laughs> And while that does protect you sort of within like your own interpersonal dynamics in your household of ever- other people who are using that device, incognito mode does not make what you're doing online anonymous, does it? 
No, no, that's a VPN. So that that's a virtual private network. And that's that's where um, it hides your IP address. It hides, you know, where you're from, all that good stuff. Um, and another thing to point out is incognito mode and private browsing does not prevent you from downloading or getting viruses, malware, ransomware. It doesn't do that. It's not antivirus or anything like that. It's anti, I don't see what you're doing because you're on that computer. As far as what you're doing on the internet, that is a network. That is that is from your computer out into the world. People can see that. People, if they know what they're doing, they can see that if you're not using a VPN. Absolutely. That, that's it. a really good point, too, because we've done ads for VPN companies before. And one thing that I remind people is that if you go to, let's say, Starbucks, you click on uh, and you have your laptop, you click on Starbucks Wi-Fi. That's an unprotected Wi-Fi network. So people could grab your personal data in the air, right? Yeah, they'd be snooping. Yeah. And if I'm sitting there at Starbucks being bold immoral that second half right there <laughs> i can see what you're doing and if you're using your company your company computer on a public network without a vpn oh. <laughs> which is which is why i think most people are used to if they work in the digital space their company saying it's against you know policy for you to connect your work devices to a public network unless you're using a VPN. Yes, use a VPN. When in doubt, always VPN. You know, wrap yeah. it in a VPN. Wrap it. Oh, wrap it in a VPN. <laughs> wrap that banana up in a VPN. Got it. <laughs> yes, but there's one thing that I want to point out about VPNs because there are, there is that phrase that I hear on all those YouTube commercials and the ads that say that your VPN browsing that data, that it's not being tracked. It's not being what we call logged. And a log is simply a piece of data that identifies your computer to another set of data or your device, not computer. It could be any device, tablet, smartphone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some VPNs have a quote unquote no logging policy, which means they log nothing. So if there are investigations that are happening, police need logs. They don't have anything to present. They don't store that data in a server. It's it's gone. It's nowhere. Good. That's a good thing. However, logs are also really good for connection data, such as at six, you know, when we're playing video games at 9 p.m. Connection data. At 6 p.m., there are 50,000 people logging onto the server and it's overloaded. We need to make that server bigger. To get that data, you have to have connection logs. You have to have data that's that's actionable, that's statistically you know, available for you to see. And that is the good thing about logging. And some companies don't log, some companies do, which means if your VPN company is logging your data, if there is an investigation and you're doing nefarious and really bad things online and you are being subject to investigation, that logging data is available for, from your VPN company to be given as, as evidence, whatever right. the material is going to be used as. So they can be subpoenaed for Absolutely. your logging. Yes. Okay. Yes, they would need to be subpoenaed. Yes. I've used ExpressVPN. Do you like that one? 
Express is a good VPN. That's a reputable VPN as well. Yes. Do they log your activity, Andrew? Do you know? Uh, uh, Let me see. No activity or connection logs. Okay. ExpressVPN does not and will never log traffic data, DSM queries, or anything that could be used to identify you. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's why they didn't catch you dumping all those bodies in Lake Mead, Andrew. (laughs) Well, they didn't catch that because I didn't search for it on my computer. I knew where the lake was and where the deepest parts were. All right. Well, we will talk about two-factor authentication and password manager apps coming up. First, a quick and secure break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. For someone getting started with the process of removing personal information online, what do you think are the most important things to be aware of upfront? Like what types of information are available online about us that we might not even realize are online? Right. So um, some forms of PII that are less commonly thought about would be like voting records. Some states, they are they are liable to to present your voting records online legally, like the state of Florida is one of them. Yeah, I think Nevada is too the state I'm in because I've learned some things about my neighbors I wish I didn't know. Yeah, Georgia too. I'm like, oh, they're Republican? Oh, darn. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> and it's 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 right out there. Um, another one would be like intellectual property, like drawings, like uh, manuals, even scientific formulas are considered um, intellectual property. Uh, legal documentation like court cases that you can Google about your friends and your family. That's online as well, as, as along with their, their mug shots, if you also know where to look. Um, other things like health data, such as uh, your health conditions, that's very personal to you. That should never be available. Um, health treatments that you may be receiving for any health condition you may have or prescriptions that you are prescribed. Don't give that information out to people. People want to hurt you. People want to sell you things like fentanyl that are not for you, that you should never be taking. Don't buy pills off the street. Don't buy medication from anybody other than a doctor. And is that especially these days? Yeah, I was going to say, is that is that a common trap that people fall into? Like, do they express that they either have been prescribed something in the past or they want to be prescribed something currently? And for whatever reason, they're not able to get it done. So they turn to sort of like the black market online to find these things. 
So a great hot topic right now um, would be TikTok in in the universe and how TikTok is under, under lots of scrutiny, how um, they were pushing um, videos that were linking and, and sending people to buy illegal drugs off of these very nefarious and dark places. And children were getting a hold of these things and children were doing things because they were being shown these these videos and that's a that's a whole other really really good topic yeah maybe we can discuss that with you again sometime because i mean tiktok as, there's misinformation everywhere online but tiktok is uniquely people who use tiktok i think are uniquely vulnerable to misinformation because the comment section is buried under a button you don't see people correcting people unless you click in two it's all about consuming and swiping along you know just moving along and i think those two elements are dangerous and i'm sure there's others too but yeah i mean people are rewarded by tricking the algorithm right so they get more views so there's an incentive to hook people potentially with misinformation right at the top of the video younger generations use tiktok it's there's many dangerous aspects there are over 150 million users only in the U.S. that use TikTok. Yeah, we actually talked about that last week. Yeah. So crazy. Mm-hmm. That, that was a huge subject that was part of the um, congressional hearing the CEO of TikTok had to go through last week. And kind of on that note, I'm just curious for your general take. Do you think that the U.S., we'll just say the U.S. government, is right to be concerned about the potential of the Chinese government spying on U.S. citizens via TikTok? Yes, a fantastic question, especially for myself, who is going to give an entirely personal opinion on this subject. And um, I wanted to start out by stating that in this congressional hearing that Congress actually stated and warned the American people that TikTok is a weapon by the Chinese Communist Party used to spy on you and to manipulate what you're seeing to further exploit you and further generations. That was stated in the congressional hearing. And if you're asking, which no one did, if I agreed with that particular statement, I would say I would agree that given just the facts that I've read online that are open source, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem the questions that were asked of him where he was explicitly asked if he spied on American citizens. And he stated, uh, I'm not going to quote this, but he did say that spying wasn't what he would have called it. Um, <laughs> is a little bit um, damning, to say the least. Yeah, I guess he's under oath, too. So he has to like kind of walk a very yeah. fine line. And, you know, he doesn't want to implicate himself or TikTok. So I guess he has to, you know, use some choice words that probably don't sound good, like what you're describing. <laughs> yes. And spying on American people is a big old no, 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 no. That's not a thing that is looked upon in any sort of light uh, in the cyber intelligence government community at all. Um, In fact, you receive a lot of briefings about that and how you will be uh, 
put where you're supposed to be if that is what you do. Wow. Because because that is how privacy, how much privacy is valued um, and how much it should be valued by the American people. It's your, it's your right to privacy. Sure. And if nothing else, I mean, it's a national security risk, right? To think about something potentially spying on that many people. Um, I do wonder, though, th- this was kind of my takeaway when watching the hearing. I feel like TikTok isn't doing anything substantially different from what any other form of social media does in terms of data collection and selling that data and using that to sort of their own benefit. It feels like we're okay with that if American (laughs) run social media companies do it, but we're not okay with it if social media companies from other countries do it. But I digress. I think it's um, mostly on the 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 safety issue that is tic- uh, TikTok right now, and how um, they were bringing to light that TikTok was feeding the younger population with purpose, with intent to uh, manipulate and exploit the younger generation pushing videos. And these are not light topics, but uh, like self-harm videos. There were children who were actually brought to extremes because they were forced, not forced, but when you think about scrolling, you don't, you're, you're a human being. You're not expecting what the next thing is. That's what, that's what the algorithm is for. You don't know what video you're going to be shown. Um, And once again, some of those videos were exploiting illicit very illicit, illegal drugs. Um, and they were getting a hold of them. And that's really, really unfortunate. Well, speaking of controlling the algorithm, here's another worrying example. Let's say, you know, during the 2024 election cycle, China says, well, do we want Biden or do we want Trump to be the next president? They can put their thumb on the algorithm and influence what videos people are seeing to potentially influence the vote here. That's right. a huge problem. That's and huge. You know, yes, there's major issues with Facebook and Twitter and many of these others, but China also has a major disregard for human rights in many, many ways. So I see why Congress is concerned about TikTok in particular. That said, I don't think they've made the case yet for banning TikTok outright. They need a good reason. They need like a good story. And they don't really have that yet. It's a lot of grandstanding right now. Right. And that goes with, once again, uh, the rights of the people. Um, And I do agree that uh, TikTok should have been banned on government and state devices. But that is my my own personal opinion of just bringing awareness to if it's a if it's a company issued device, you have no privacy. And that is that is subject to seizure and forensic analysis at any point in time. And if you've downloaded your Facebook and your Facebook account is left open on there, goodness gracious, or you've got uh, like a Google Google Docs drive and you're doing something really bad. You're trying to make and bake bombs or something. And there you go doing it on your company computer or something. That's, that's once again, prosecutable. And if, I just don't I don't see the benefit of downloading it on your on your state and government device. I don't know why you yeah. want your privacy to be completely nixed like that. No, that makes complete sense. But personal devices go for it. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I think, and we've got some folks in our Discord saying this too, um, and I, I feel this to a certain extent. I feel like I have been, and Andrew, this is true of you too, we have had online presences since 2006, something like that. So there's a ton of information out there about myself and Andrew. Yeah, we do have this like history online and let's say old episodes of the podcast, like those are still online. But I would say the reason the way I would tackle this is by just trying to remove as much current information as possible. Right. I have used a site called Delete Me. Right. And the URL is joindeleteme.com. And for pulling up the pricing, one person, one year, Delete Me will find all of your personal personally identifiable information like your home address, phone number, etc. And they will go to these sites where it is listed and say, hey, please take this down. So it's $10.75 a month or $129 a year. I did this for one year, two or three years ago at this point. They did a pretty good job of just wiping everything out once. And it's been a little bit of whack-a-mole since then. I haven't renewed my subscription with them. I've just been doing it myself from here on out because a lot of these sites will put your information online, but then at the bottom, you can click a link and request that they pull this information down. This happened happened about six months ago. I Googled my name and address. I saw it listed. I scrolled to the bottom. Please remove my information. And they took care of it within like a week. And I'm proud to say now I search for, for my name, Andrew Sims, and then I search for my home address. There's nothing here. That's great. There's nothing. That is awesome. And yeah. that's that's great that that service has a reputation from from you, a personal a personal experience that you right. can fall on. Yeah. Now I will say I'm searching my name and phone number and I do see that. So there's two sites I'm going to have to write to probably after recording and say Fuck you, data mining <laughs> bastards. Take this the fuck down. I hate you. Andrew's going to send a strongly worded email. So, yeah. Andrew, I have a question for you. Yeah. What did you have to do for delete me to oh, delete your information? I know what you're going to say. Um, you're going to say you gave over your personal info so you- they can take <laughs> down your personal info. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah. So you trusted a third party with your personal information who is subject to data breaches, hacking and theft of all. And you've given that trust in them. And I can tell you, kind sir, that if you don't want to do that, my Medium article allows you to be (laughs) the Voldemort of your own life. And take a stab (laughs) at your own. Is it the same way I'm describing? Like you go to the bottom of these pages and click the link and request the takedown? So uh, on the Medium article that I have, I, you know how you had to go to this website? You had to get on your computer, open a browser, type in, find yourself, go to it. You just go to my Medium article. I have all (laughs) of these these links already set up for you. So what do you do? You want to opt out of this place? Click it. It takes you right to that opt out section and you put in your name and poof, just with the wind. But I want to go ahead and say, when you do that, I would say um, it would take you to go through my medium article, maybe, maybe 30 minutes. I do this twice a year, sometimes three times because I'm paranoid. And um 
take you 30 minutes. And some of these sites will, your, your, you know, where you went, uh, like people find what people find or whatever. And there you were, you submitted that information for deletion. That page, if you go back to it, it will like error out or 404, it says it, it doesn't exist. And that's probably because it's going through the process on the back end of confirming that this really is that person really take it down. So that's an example of immediate quote unquote deletion of your personal information from that website. However, there are some websites that when you submit your request for deletion, that it could take, you know, anywhere from immediately to a couple of weeks. So when you do this process, I highly, highly recommend the very beginning, go online, search yourself really fast, see what all you can find, go to my Medium article, slap through all of those real quick, could probably take you less than 30 minutes, come back in a month and see what you've got about yourself online. That's a good strategy. And I did decide to get a little creepy. Yeah, Laura, I already did this for you. Yesterday, I started looking up your shit. And you know what? You're actually in a good place. I only found, I searched your name and your address and I only found one thing. Oh, you'll have to, you have to tell me what it is. See, this is the benefit of having like a super common name. (laughs) Yes. I will say, because anytime I've ever Googled my name, I might find something about myself on page like five of the results, (laughs) but everything else is just other people who are, you know, actually famous or just have like higher profile presences that share a name with me or a very similar name. So that's the benefit. Give your kids super common names, y'all, and (laughs) you'll be protecting them. (laughs) Yeah. And I I did... Uh, search for Pam too, and I found a couple instances of her address. I didn't look at your phone numbers yet, but um, I you know as a homeowner, I was uniquely worried about that because unfortunately, home addresses, home records are publicly accessible. Mm-hmm. That is publicly accessible by design, and that's disappointing. And I feel like in the age of the internet, that should no longer be a thing. Yes, that um, one thing about PII is there are some forms of data that by law, because the removal of that data could present misrepresentation of data, um, it can't be removed. So people in government jobs, we all know our salaries are out there, our names are out there. I mean, you can learn everything about that person, where they work, how much they made last year. And it's... you feel me if you're out there you you feel me it's i feel you i feel (laughs) you yes (laughs) not as a government employee but as a homeowner yeah but i mean you even brought it up in terms of public records like voting history i mean i think for Mm -hmm. all of us this applies to a certain extent i literally got physical mail around the midterm elections being like hey laura these three neighbors around you didn't participate in the last <laughs> presidential election. You should go talk to them. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, ha- <laughs> I have a great, a great story I have to tell y'all. 
at, at some point, maybe for After Dark, it's a really, really funny story about how I duped my community on Nextdoor. Oh, oh man, that'll be that'll be perfect for After Dark because we're gonna be we're gonna be carrying on the cybersecurity theme in this week's installment of After Dark. So that'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's really funny. So you had mentioned, I think you used the word neutralize, which I really like. I was wondering if there is an in-between option for maybe if you want to reduce your online presence, but you don't want to completely nuke it, Mm -hmm. what that could look like. I would say um, completely nuking your online presence with such as for a celebrity, you know, celebrities who don't want their, their children, understandably mass pushed online, uh, by paparazzi and stuff like that. People making money off of that. Um, those services obviously are, are services that you can pay for to completely nuke yourself. Um, and then there's on the other end where if you don't care about your PII, you can post your password on online for everybody to see, which I don't recommend, but that's the other scale of completely not caring about your PII. And then there's just kind of neutralizing it right in the middle. And a good way of doing that is truly hop on that medium article and follow along with that. It's going to, it's going to remove, you know, if you're on Facebook, it's going to remove, you know, possible links to your Facebook, but you know, who, who of your friends and family are going to Google your Facebook. They're going to, they're going to be on their app and they're going to type it in the search bar. So there's no harm in that. Um, your Instagram, same thing, unless you're trying to, to promote yourself on Instagram, um, or Twitter or things like that. So going through that medium article, you're neutralizing yourself in a very healthy way to where your footprint is gone, but the shoe can be found somewhere if you know where to look. But I've made it to where it's difficult. Very cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I I like that analogy too, that you can still have a presence online, but it's really only for the people who you want to know where to find it, right? They want to know where the shoe is. <laughs> right. And like for for you, Laura, for example, if you found yourself online, um, maybe by, by searching yourself, maybe you didn't um, know that there are ways to, manip- to manipulate a Google search to where it produces very specific outputs for someone like me who knows how to utilize that. Or there are other ways um, that ethical and non-ethical hackers like to use, um, which is a whole lot of technical jargon. But for example, um, I don't remember the exact number, but Twitter actually has a limit of the amount of tweets that you can look back on in history. I think it's like 3,200 maybe. So if you have like 65,000 tweets, you can only go back so far like in history. And there are ways that if you know what you're doing, then you can bypass that and uh, see from the beginning of time. Yeah, I think we've talked about a some sort of plugin or web app that lets you delete just all your old tweets automatically. Like yeah, tweet after delete. two weeks, tweet delete. Tweet yeah. delete. Yeah. Couple weeks, just delete some. That's probably a really good tip for people because some of that stuff lurks for a really long time on the internet. We we see it every few months, <sighs> mm-hmm. right? Some old tweet yeah. is getting dug up by a politician or whoever else and it it's always bad news for them. You want to hear something scary, but something really fun for anybody at home that can do that right now. 
there is a site, okay, it is legally debated on whether or not it should be legal enough. You're going to very quickly understand why it can go right over the line into exposing personal information um, very easily. And uh, this is for learning. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this example. But if you're at a computer, there is something called way back machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. talk about this. Oh, you've talked about way back machine? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We know about the way back machine. Way back. I, <laughs> I used it to look at some of my because I've had a Twitter account <laughs> since 2008. Mm hmm. I used it to look at some of my old tweets, and it was, I would just say, like, <laughs> excruciatingly embarrassing. Thankfully, that was your past life? Who tweeted yeah, this? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Like, um, just the amount of stuff that I thought was worth posting on the internet was just crazy. Um, but I definitely do use Tweet Delete now um so that i don't have anything on my twitter that's older than a year old that's really cool i'm glad we're bringing this up actually because as a publisher on the internet primarily through hypable for a nine-year period um over the years especially in the back half of hypable's life i would get a message from somebody who did have something posted on hypable let's say in the early days and they no longer wanted to have it online so they would email and say hey can you please remove it i'm no longer proud of this article or you know maybe they're getting ready for a big job interview so they don't want that appearing on google people will f had had frequently asked us over the years to delete articles because they didn't want it out there anymore and i said sure like it, it was it's not like those particular articles were really benefiting us and even if um if, if they were really benefiting us, I don't think I ever hit that snag, but I probably would have just changed the byline with their permission to like hypable staff or something like that. Right. But I do want to also mention that Voldemort brought up uh, the Wayback Machine. You can write to the Internet Archive and ask them to pull something down. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it it is possible. We actually took all of Hypable off the Wayback Machine because we kept getting caught up in um, these lawsuits with these photographers who were fishing around for uh, some quick cash. That's a long story I've explained on the show before. <laughs> um, but you can delete stuff from from the Wayback Machine if you want. So while it's there, it you it can be removed. <laughs> Not all hope is lost. It's very cool to look on, though. It, it oh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you can see how the internet has really grown. I know. It's mm -hmm. crazy to look back at some of those early 2000s websites and see what the state of design was at that point. Um, speaking of which, one of our listeners in the Discord just found the old Smart Mouths About <laughs> Us page on the Wayback Machine. Andrew, this this Voldemort was a podcast that Andrew and I did also in another life when we were much younger. <laughs> I like how we had a donate button. I forgot we had a donate button. Yeah, this was we did. obviously before Patreon. This was pre-Patreon, yeah. It was the only way that we could like pay for our hosting <laughs> and shit. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> oh man, that's a throwback. <laughs> it is. So I wanted to talk about two-factor authentication. It's actually been in the headlines recently because Twitter announced they would no longer support SMS, texting 2FA, unless you're a Twitter Blue subscriber. Now, the reason they got rid of this for non-subscribers appears to be because 
keeping this SMS service up and running is actually pretty expensive. But we also have to note that the SMS two-factor authentication has never been a secure method of two-factor authentication. It's just been easy. Um, I think one reason it's insecure, and maybe the main reason it's insecure, is because you can spoof phone numbers. So you could intercept somebody else's 2FA code. So it's I, I wanted to bring it up because 2FA has been in the headlines mm-hmm. recently. Can you quickly, Voldemort, share what 2FA is? Yeah, so 2FA, otherwise known as two-factor authentication, is just simply put, it's a security method that's put in place that requires two forms of authentication. So whether that's um, you put in a password, of course, you put in your password, everyone knows about that. And then you get a second form of authentication, such as a push to your phone that you would approve or disapprove, or a phone call that you would answer and follow the prompt or a text message in which you would take the code and implement it onto your screen and then press enter and then authenticate. Um, Believe it or not, not only can phone numbers be spoofed and stuff, but every day in my working life, I see this happen multiple times. One other form of one other way that people are taking advantage of those that that have two-factor on their phone with an authenticator app like Duo Mobile is one that I use um, and recommend is uh, it's, it's an exhaustion. It's two-factor exhaustion where somebody has hacked an account or are attempting to and they're sending over and over and over and over again push notifications saying, do you approve this? And it'll be back to back to back to back. So here you are, the user. You've got one push notification. You don't recognize the location or that you're even trying to two-factor in. So you decline it. Another one comes in immediately, decline, and then repeat, decline, decline. Finally, the user is like, fuck this. Accept. Guess what? They accepted that. Do you know what that means? They're compromised. They need Mm -hmm. to now change their password. That that means that... Two factor means once you have made it to that that second factor, that push, that phone call, that text message, your password's compromised. They knew your password, that first factor of authentication was compromised. They are now trying to get into that second factor. And if you have a t- text message, if they know your phone number and they're doing some sort of nefarious thing, if they've got your or if they've got your phone, they're accepting that text and implementing it in or um, you're getting a phone call and it's just a repetitive process at that point. Yeah. Well, and it's just as easy too if um if you're just not paying attention to where the pushes mm-hmm. are coming from, right? So yes. let's say that you're using an app like this, you know, dual mobile you mentioned, but also Google Authenticator. Yes. Um, say you're using something like that and you just so happen to be logging into something secure. And at the same time, somebody is trying to spoof you and they send an authentication request right around the time when you're getting ready to send one yourself. You might not think to pay attention to the geolocation of where that authentication is coming from. That shit happens all the time where people just Mm -hmm. aren't paying attention and they assume that they are the one who initiated that push. Right. 
So we mentioned the Google Authenticator app, and there are physical keys as well. A very popular one is the YubiKey, and this one can just plug into your phone or your computer. They also have NFC chips built in, so you could just bring it close to your phone or maybe some laptops, and that'll be that two-factor authentication. And by the way, to activate this within a login, let's say it's something super sensitive, like I'll run through real quick. I've got 2FA set up for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tesla, Robinhood, Ring, and Backblaze. All very important services to me. Um, so I set up two-factor authentication. It's pretty easy to set up. And in most cases, once you do set it up in these individual websites or apps, they will also give you backup codes. And that those are for in the event that you lose your YubiKey, that you forget to transfer Google Authenticator over to your new phone. Um, you can use one of those backup codes to regain access to your account. And I guess from there, you would just set up 2FA again. But what you're supposed to do with those backup codes is print them out and put them somewhere secure. Yes. This is what I've done. I'm not saying where, because I don't need anybody robbing me and taking all my stuff. Get a Great Dane. <laughs> <laughs> Get a Great Dane? Yeah. Should I like strap it to the bottom of the dog, the coats? Yes. Just leave it with him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Got it. My guard dog. Yeah. My 2FA guard dog. They're super, super intimidating and not not at all sweet and cuddly. <laughs> like our doggo we have a great day and he's 185 pounds and he's holy 14 cups of food a day oh, wow he's also just a big sweetie yeah his name is bane and although although he is a big sweetie i would probably not g- trust him to keep my backup coat safe <laughs> Voldemort, I hope one of your security question answers isn't Bane, because <laughs> you just revealed <laughs> one of your passwords, so to speak. Like my dog, I always call him Brooklyn. His name's not actually Brooklyn. I've just been making that up on the show for years. I'm kidding, listeners. I was, I was like, wait a minute. I, if that, Wouldn't that have been the best twist of all time? I, how long have you had Brooklyn? Like a decade. 2014, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I had just found out that that wasn't his real name, I've been to your, I've met Brooklyn in person. I've been to your house. And if, if you had had this ruse going for the last decade to be like, don't tell anyone Brooklyn's real name. Imagine like me watching Laura go, oh, Brooklyn. And I'm sitting there like laughing to myself. Oh my God. If she only knew his name's actually Clancy. That was his name on his paperwork. But I, the reason I bring this up is because as podcasters, we have to be mindful of this. We yes. can't be talking about our favorite pet, our childhood best friend, our, uh, our the color of our childhood home. If we do, we need to be making up different answers on air or in those security questions. I am very mindful of this. When I, when I make an account and they want me to answer what's my favorite pet, I don't put in Brooklyn. I've never put in Brooklyn. Who'd I put in? I'm not fucking telling you. That's one of my answers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't talking to you, Voldemort. I was I was talking to uh, the listeners. <laughs> In case that sounded like I was attacking. But um, anyway, <laughs> so that's kind of an overview of 2FA. Anything else you want to bring up there? No, you were going into uh, printing it out and if that's what you should do. But that is a method that um, for securing it. And secure it with something like your passport or something like your your birth certificate social that you also would find 
private that you're not keeping online. So there are things that are good for, you know, documentation and everyone, you know, has that somewhere in their home, I would expect. But if not, there are, of course, password managers. Ooh, look at that transition. Great transition. (laughs) (laughs) Password managers obviously let you store all your passwords within one app. You access them using a master password. Uh, The data is encrypted. One password I think is regarded as the most secure. I would have said LastPass too, but they had a major security breach last year. They can no longer be trusted. Um, one password and these others have extensions so that you can hook it into like your phone's operating system in many cases or your web browser. So they're pretty easy to use. It's not the cleanest process, I'll say. Sometimes they get a little glitchy. They'll forget to save a yeah. password. They'll forget to update a password. The passwords aren't syncing. I've run into issues like this. Um, but I do, in general, I really like it especially because I love generating passwords within one password. You can get some secure ass passwords in there. Yeah, <laughs> you sure can. I personally recommend it's it's a uh, it's a password keeper known as KeyPass. Um, I will spell that Kilo Echo Echo Papa Alpha Sierra Sierra. <laughs> KeyPass. Are you landing a plane right now? Or what? <laughs> no, she's she's I'm speaking not. in cybersecurity professional. I'm speaking in an army, military. Oh, right. Yeah, you came from the military. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now I get it. Sorry, go ahead. Um, it, but it's it's great. And you can download it um on Windows, Mac, and Linux computers. So it's 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 awesome. I use it in my day-to-day. And cool. this is free, it looks like. It is free. That's that's the best part about it. It is free. It's awesome. Um, I I use it daily, like I said, and I've used it for like seven years at this point. Okay. One password is unfortunately not free. It used to be, but then they switched to the dreaded subscription model, and now it's two ninety nine a month, billed annually. And so I do it. I, I like it. I like that I can use it on all my devices. And But still, <sighs> they do have a family plan, $5.99 a month for up okay. to six pe- five people. Yeah. So that's a dollar a month if you split it with a family of five. Maybe we should get on a family plan, Andrew. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. He, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's an important note. Even if you do do a family subscription, you do keep your password separate it's not like netflix where you could just easily tap into somebody else's profile right everybody gets mm-hmm. their own vault right i think yes. that's what one password calls it but you can also share passwords if you want so we could do that and then share like MuggleCast and millennial passwords yeah, you could see. Mm-hmm. we could do that i'll even share with you my password to bigboobies.net if you want oh, that one. Boy. Well, you know that I've been waiting for that, so. (laughs) This reminds me of a time. Remember Garth, our old Australian friend? I do remember him. He once gave me a doc with all of his gay porn site passwords, and it was the best. The commitment is commendable. I didn't have to pay for this gay porn. It was great. (laughs) This was before Pornhub. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, he was was trying to help, you know, a young... (laughs) broke 
horny. Freshly out of the closet, <laughs> Andrew, to uh, satisfy all of his fantasies. He probably got off knowing we were jerking it to the same things. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Uh, we have a guest here. What am I doing? Hey, no, no. I was going to say, I actually came out to my family like 2000, like circa 2009 on Christmas Day. Oh, Merry what a gift from Santa. <laughs> Wait, did you have it in a box? Was the big announcement in, a, in like a wrapped box? Unfortunately, it wasn't anything cool like that. It was just right around a morning fire with mimosas. Perfect time. By the way, I'm a lesbian. Yes. Cheers. Okay, just checking. That was it. Cheers to that. Well, that really went off the rails for a couple of minutes. That's okay. But... As it should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something I will bring up in After Dark is somebody I know still uses a little password book, like a physical one. And I do not recommend that because, yeah. I mean. We're, we're going to talk about a couple of examples of people who do questionable things with their passwords. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Laura, lastly, there are, I don't know how to describe this, like a new form of passwords in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, so this is something that Microsoft, Apple, and Google have already announced that they're going to be supporting. But there are other, I think, examples of, um, you know, other companies that are going to be using this as well, rather than you using something like a YubiKey or a password manager to keep all your passwords in one place and autofill them for you. A lot of companies are going to be moving to this thing called passkeys as the new standard to authenticate who you are on the web. And this essentially allows you to authenticate your identity through either your touch ID on your keyboard, if you have that, uh, or your face ID on your phone. So when you go to a website that uses this and you're going through the sign up flow, they sign you up with the use of that and see it's like so weird to describe it's like the use of like your fingerprint or like your face id and that is your password moving forward and it's not something that anyone at least at this point in time that we know of can replicate um, which is really cool this is something that i've i've had experience with once mm -hmm. and it is very cool it's super easy because once you set it up Every time you go back to the place where you set it up, it'll just prompt you to like, hey, like face ID <laughs> and yeah. it'll automatically yep. pop it up or like use your touch ID on your keyboard. Right. Um, this is it's, it's really cool. And it's it's supposed to be more secure mm -hmm. than using regular passwords, which makes a whole lot of sense. Yes. Um, and the reason for that is, I believe, and, and Voldemort, you may be able to substantiate this for me, your identifier, be it your fingerprint or your face ID, that is stored on the device locally. So it's not something that gets stored by your browser or by the website, for example. Is that right? Right. From what I understand, that that is how it works. And essentially what these passkeys are, they are passwordless logins, which is what you were saying. Um, and it's it's just an authentication method that doesn't require you to 
of course, like you were saying, input your username and password because it's remembering that very, very unique data about you. And that's your DNA because that fingerprint, that face ID, that's biometric data. So I think that that as a security method is absolutely incredible. Um, I also do know that at the time of this, this topic, the technology is so new, advancing and unraveling that this conversation could be completely different um, in a couple of months, which I think is also incredible. And these big companies like Google and, and Apple and Microsoft are are all on board with this and i think like that's you said, key it is pun intended yeah it is and like you said one one password already supports that which yeah is great and i tried it they have a demo up and i tried it and it, it worked beautifully i was like yeah. oh what a relief it's almost like i can't believe i'm saying it no passwords yeah nothing. no text password oh and that's the great thing is passwords are you know we're human they're easy to forget they're hard to remember. They're hard to come up with. And um, it, it's just so much easier now that you can literally just go to an app and look at it. Kind of like when you're doing like Apple Pay and stuff. It's just look at it, click it twice, bing. And, and you're done. It's Isn't it scary? Do you remember in 2000 when we were wearing those, those aluminum foil space hats? Because I do. I do. I actually, <laughs> I did that. My, my, my dad was a prepper for sure. Oh, because of there, Y2K. It was aliens. Oh. It was Y2K. It was, it was zombies. He truly believes the CDC that, uh, that, that they have like a zombie, um, serum that they're keeping and harboring. He, he was one of those. So sure. then you, wow. you went and got into military, military intelligence so that you could be like, no dad. <laughs> There's no, but the thing is, is I ended up marrying someone who is like 50% Russian and I'm in cybersecurity. So I was like, oh, they've infiltrated. Oh no. <laughs> Damn it, Putin. Damn it, Putin. So <laughs> yeah, we're all vulnerable somehow. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It, it would be impossible not to be. It well, would. Voldemort, this was so helpful and insightful definitely have had people popping off in the discord reacting to this conversation talking about what steps they're going to be taking to further protect their online security so thank you for that um, absolutely before we wrap up though is there anything else that you'd want to plug we're definitely going to be sure to link the two medium articles yeah, I just wanted to say, um, I, I know that I probably spoke to some of you when I mentioned mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, who may have not just your information being accidentally leaked, but their information. Think of our older generation who is vulnerable to um, phishing attacks, to people calling and manipulating them over the phone to buying these gift cards. That's not real. Tell grandma, grandpa to hang up. Aunt, uncle, that's not somebody who's your friend. And um, I, I just, I want you to know that you can help those people to uh, eliminate their presence too. And it's very, it's very simple. So what's going to happen when you're, you're going through that process on Medium? of eliminating your information, what they want is an email address 
that identifies you a lot of the time. So you're going to get an email, a confirmation email. Hey, um, Voldemort, are you sure you want to remove your information here? You, you know, click on it and interact with that link. That's a solidifying um, important piece of information that some of these websites are looking for is for you to interact with that link. So if you are at grandma, grandpa's house, mom and dad, um, for you, if they're older, you can just sit down with them at a computer and make sure that they have a good email that isn't filled with spam. Create a new one if you have to, you know, use some of these methods and, and help her have a secure password, right? You write it down for, for them. Um, it might be a little bit easier for, for the older generation to remember something that's written down. Uh, my grandma's one of them. She writes down she still takes Polaroid pictures and writes the date and what was going on on that day. So, you know, good old fashioned handwriting is, is always an option, um, but you, you can do that and help them stay safe as well. And if they have Facebook, you know, take their phone real quick and just help them out. Just go ahead and set their privacy settings up and lock them down. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to know. Your they're kids, not even yeah. going to know you did it. <laughs> they won't know. Your kids, you know, make sure they're safe too. Um, I, I have friends who have kids that are old enough to have social medias and, you know, um, you can go and look at their stuff and it's just all available and they're posting about their middle school dance and stuff and they don't know that their photos are being geotagged. So they're geotagging their middle school or something. Um, don't have your kids tag anywhere that they are, please, by the way, if you have children, Snapchat, if they have Snapchat and they have that worldview on. I don't have Snapchat, but those oh, yeah. things can be used to find people, to locate people underage and and take them or convince them of things. I, I don't know why people have that feature on. Yeah, me I, either. And I admit, I do look of like, I guess I'm just like fascinated that people actually have this on. I see one person exactly where they were seven minutes ago, another one 44 yeah. minutes ago, 46 minutes ago, two hours ago. Every time you load up Snapchat, yeah. it reports the location to this map feature. It's I, very <laughs> scary. And you know, if you want, if you want someone to follow you wherever you are, share your location with your 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 family or a trusted friend, or I'm going to go ahead and give those who are in college or high school. There's actually an app um, uh, for like, you don't have to be in college. You could be walking anywhere. Um, and it's an app to where someone can kind of watch how you're, they, they kind of like babysit you on the way home, but I want to make sure yeah. I'm giving you the name of the app correctly. It would function like find my friends, right? Yeah. Right. Google Maps, I think, has a feature like this. Uber has a feature too, from a safety perspective. You're safe is one spelled you are safe is, is a really good one. Um, and it's great. Some of these devices or some of these uh, applications are set up to where they can pick up the location of a device to, you know, so many feet away from a person. Mm. So the wow. information and data that's being spit back out is accurate. And that's so important given if something were to happen, I have used um, instances like this in working cases where something may have happened to somebody and um, their last location was able to be picked up because uh, the proximity that was set for that device was so close and so accurate that it provided solidifying data for us to 
do what we need to do. I'm now going to be sitting here wondering moving forward, like, does she know what I'm doing? Does she have, <laughs> does she have tabs on me? <laughs> and we haven't even touched on air tags here. Yeah. Oh, man. Adios oh, <laughs> mio. Um, all right. Well, we do have to wrap this up. So thank you so much, Voldemort. Thank you. Thank you. AKA Christy. This has been really great. And you're going to stick around today and after dark. It's going to be available on Patreon and for Apple Podcast subscribers. And we're going to talk more about cybersecurity. We're going to get a little more personal, though. We're going to talk about our own cybersecurity fails, phishing scams. I know a couple stories we teased earlier are going to come up as well. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. And again, over on the Apple Podcasts platform, there's a subscribe button if you tap into the show. There's many other benefits waiting for you on Patreon as well. We do a monthly Zoom hangout with Bay and executive producer level patrons. You can uh, hang out in our recording studio as we record each week. And there are many more benefits. So check it all out at patreon.com slash millennial. Thanks, everybody who supports us because we could not do this without you. And now it's time for recommendations. I'm going to make a throwback to the top of the show. Our dear Pam cut herself in the kitchen. (laughs) So I want to recommend No Cry Premium Cut Resistant Gloves. 100% food grade, level 5 protection, machine washable, superior comfort and dexterity, lightweight, and it comes with a complimentary ebook. (laughs) $11.99 on Amazon. Look at this freaking photo. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. <laughs> it looks like a horror movie. Okay. Can we can can you actually just go ahead and order this and send it to Pam? I will. Yeah. My recommendation is, you know, if you if you live in the United States um, and, you know, you're just feeling kind of hopeless with what to do because it feels like every fucking day in this country is like, oh, another day, another school shooting. Um, I would recommend making a donation to every town for gun safety who have, you know, really consistently and steadily worked towards um, supporting and promoting um, gun um, safety legislation reform. Um, and if nothing else, um, you know, definitely check out their site for some really helpful resources about things that you can be doing in your community to help move the needle. It helps me personally at times like this to feel like there's something that I can contribute to to try and make a difference. So awesome. And for my recommendation this week, I'm going to be recommending a company called Lazarus Naturals. It's a fantastic company that strives to make all their products available for everyone. And that product is CBD. And as a veteran, (laughs) as a veteran, as a human being that just hurts, if you're over 30, if you're over 90, if you're over four years old, something about you is hurting. This this company is incredible. Number one, they offer they offer an assistance program. So veterans get 60% off. Hell yeah. So Hello. Those on long-term disability get 60% off. And those that qualify as low income also get 60% off. And I highly, highly recommend their topicals. Um it, it's it's helped me and my pain tremendously. Um, I have a lot of inflammation from carrying like 75 pounds on my back. And that was half my weight in the army. And I'm not broken. I'm broke. 
um, as we like to call it. <laughs> and this has been a way that's helped me manage uh, some of that pain. So topical, um, they have some things that you can take, such as like edibles, gummies. So if you want to take that uh, healing internally, um, I do recommend their their gummies as well. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I we're big fans CBD of CBD gummy. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are. We are. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Christy. This has been awesome. Thank you for your service as well. And thank you. Thank you for all this information you've shared today. It's it's really, really important. Stuff. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Our pleasure. Great. We'll have to have you on sometime if again sometime if uh, we have any other security themed discussions. Yeah, absolutely. If not, um, I have a hidden obsession for plants um <laughs> hidden is it hidden i they're pretty visible at the camera <laughs> if you would like uh here let me give it just a quick over there oh yeah you've got a lot you're well, a you can't mom. really see them but i have probably over a hundred plants oh my goodness I, I breathe i breathe well there's lots of oxygen here yeah so andrew is a plant daddy um so not compared to that though <laughs> so you two could definitely have an, a whole episode talking about being plant parents Just push plants on you andrew <laughs> yeah yeah anyway a uh, couple of reminders before we wrap up make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in apple Podcasts or spotify you can contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com by the way we are doing a confessional palooza next week we are recording it this thursday meaning two days from when we are recording so if it's past thursday it's going to be too late for that confessional palooza but if you hear this on wednesday feel free to shoot us a confessional and we might be able to get it in for the episode we're recording on thursday but anyway that'll be a lot of fun with everybody confessing yes. what they need to get off their chest it'll be pre-church exactly <laughs> yeah. get it out of the way we'll we'll forgive you <laughs> Whether that's good enough for like your particular faith system, I don't know. But millennial will forgive you. So it's yes, <laughs> it always feels good to get something off your chest too, yeah. right? So I'm immoral, so I. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, do follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Voldemort, Christy. Bye, everyone. Bye, y'all. Stay safe online. Wrap up that banana. <laughs> Wrap up that VPN. <laughs> Wrap it before you tap it. <laughs> <laughs>